真古的秀。Welcome to We'll See You in Hell, another January episode in this lovely year of 2019. Today we discuss Phantasm, and why? Because that's what we do on this show. We discuss horror films and fantasy films and sci-fi films, and sometimes even an action or a, or a drama or a comedy, and eventually we'll get into the Pixar a lot. But for now, today, it's still horror. That horror is Phantasm. I'm Joe DeRosa. I'm I'm Patrick Walsh. Hello. Uh, yeah the the Joe Bob Briggs Christmas uh, marathon. I heard about a week before they were going to be showing all the movies in a franchise, and I was like, great, love it. There's so few horror franchises where I've seen every one, and I like everyone else thought it was going to be Silent Night, Deadly Night. I'd oh. seen the original. I haven't seen any of the other ones. It's airing on like December 21st. And I sat down, and I got to admit, I was in a Christmas mood. I think everybody there was in a Christmas mood. And when it was Phantasm, I was like, really? Well, maybe they don't have the rights to Silent Night, Deadly Night. Clearly, they didn't. Um, they were also supposed to show the whole Phantasm franchise through Ravager, which I have, I've not, I've only seen the first Phantasm now. But um, they skipped two. They skipped two. Which is most people's favorites. And then, you know, he gave some sort of bullshit reason for it, but I feel like they just didn't get the rights. What was his reason? His reason was like... Because it was a different actor playing Tommy or whatever? Yeah, he did some sort of like thing where you know that wasn't the real thing. But um, people's favorite of the franchise is Phantasm 2. So then... Many people, yeah. I, you know, I finished one and I was like... I don't want to watch three and four. And then he thinks that four is the best or something. That's a common uh, uh, claim. I, I don't agree with it, but... Uh, Did you ever see Ravager? I've seen all of them. I own all of them. Yeah. I'm going to watch them. I still have them, of course, on, on my shutter. I'm but. a big Phantasm fan. Uh, and we can talk about... We can talk about Ravager today in addition to the original, if you like. Okay. Um, the Ravager. But, uh, you know, but that's for later, Pet. In the meantime. It is. How have you been since the last time we recorded? Um, well, it was five minutes ago. Yeah. But I've been pretty good. Um, that's a lie, but why drag you into my life? Um, I got two months more of the show. I've, I'm at a, a stress uh, saturation point, you know? Last night, I went to a lovely dinner party. I thought I was in a fine mood. I wake up at 3.30 a.m., sort of panicked, uncomfortable. I'm up till like 9, and then I fall asleep till like noon. This is what my Sundays are, like yeah. my nice, relaxing Sundays. Um, But it is what it is. I'm going to a show tonight. I was telling Joe. I don't know if I'm excited or not. I'm not but, excited about that show. A buddy of mine got tickets. It's Malibu. It's a benefit for the Malibu homes that got lost. Nice cause. It's a nice cause, but at the same time, you're kind of like, 
but everybody in Malibu is rich. Well, you know, it's but yeah, it's a nice cause. Uh, the bands I could, you know, it's I would Saint Vincent, who I love and who is a great live performer. I like Saint Vincent. It's Beck, who is one of my favorite musical artists of all time. Could care less. Love Beck. Don't care. And, Take it uh, or leave it. And a band we've discussed ad nauseum on the show, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who are, I think, have a couple of okay albums, but live, the man's the worst singer that has ever lived and has not improved over a. 30-year career. Well, that's why you got, like, Flea doing backflips and shit. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of your only uh, your only hope. The appeal is it's at the Hollywood Palladium, which is a pretty small venue, and it's cool to see him there. But um, Palladium, little fun fact, is where they shot the climax of the Blues Brothers, where they perform. Uh, I guess that's kind of a fun fact, you know? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's not a bad fact. Do anything for you? Nothing. Con, stop it. Con's back. My dog is barking. Joe brought him back. He, from... he, he wants his ball. All right, I'm going to get you the ball. He figured out where I hid the ball. Now I have to give him the ball. But we're not playing ball, Con. So you're going to have to take it over there and just be with your ball. Joe gets really excited about a ball. You almost the sat dog on the does, dog. Jesus Christ. Have you ever sat on your dog? my ass. Uh, no, no. He almost looked like he was trying to kill himself. It did. He <laughs> jumped right under Joe's ass as it was about to hit the couch. Yeah. Uh, these pants too short. I'd have to see him in a standing position. Now it's just getting weird, but... Well, no, are they too short? Because I feel like when I sit, they get too short. They look the exact right length for standing jeans, but yeah, they're going to come up a little bit when you sit. So you don't think they're too short? I don't know how many different ways I can say it. No. We'll no. say no. I I did. I said they're a perfect standing size, but when you have a perfect standing size, they're going to go up when you say Not it. too much up, though, right? Oh, for Christ's sake. Pat confessed to me before we started recording in between the podcasts here that uh, that he's been drinking more than ever before. Is that how you phrased it? <laughs> um. Well, I, you Is that know, something I shouldn't have shared. Sorry. Probably not, but well, I can you know, cut, I can cut it out if seriously. No, it's fine. My okay. my Christmas break uh Christmas is always a, a heavy drinking time. I was a mess. And uh generally the new year hits and I'm like let me turn it off, but I would say me and my my writing staff have been really put through the ringer <laughs> and we are drinking. I am drinking. I uh not doing it in the morning. I'm you know, I'm not uh, oh, yeah. going to work drunk. But it's the kind of thing where like when I when I have a sit like the other night, um Heather and I were going to uh the premiere of corporate, Comedy Central's corporate, and while I've got you, it's my friends Jake Wiseman and Matt Angerbretson. I have uh, some friends on the writing staff. Saw three episodes, it's fantastic. If you're not watching the show, you should. It's a great show. But uh, beforehand, Heather and I go to dinner. I have a glass of wine. The second that wine rolls over my tongue, my eyes opened like in a cartoon, like when eyes like pop open. Like just, I was just like, where's more? Where I need more. What's going on? And I don't like being in that place. I'm about to maybe do one of my cleanses, but I'm under too much stress to do it right now. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I took, I recently took a, about an eight day break. Yeah. I was hoping to do a dry january yeah i don't know if see my problem is is i don't i've talked about it i don't like pot 
So when right. I dry, that's it, man. I got nothing. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to do a dry Jan. I mean, maybe what I'll do is a um, like a once a weeker kind of thing. But as I said to you, well, we talked about booze because I'm not throwing you out there. I'll step right out there with you. Drank yesterday for the first time in a while. Didn't didn't go nuts. Had six drinks. Yeah. Throughout the afternoon into the evening, uh, and I was like, okay, that's it for the week. And now today, it's like, you know, we're gonna wrap this thing up in an hour. And it's you know, I'm thinking maybe Patty and I go and have a cocktail. Yeah, I'm eating bad. I'm drinking bad. I'm I'm weeding. Do you have to go anywhere right after this? Not right after. No. Oh boy. So then there's no all right. Well, I think I mean I I keep telling myself I'm going nuts because in a short amount of time I'm going to be shutting it all down and going to uh perhaps heading into the child you know, fertilizing an egg type God zone. damn it. God damn it. But I think we're doing egg storage. I don't think we're going to have the kid like within the year. It's terrible news. Uh, but yeah, you know, Heather's like, you might want to tighten things up a little bit if uh, your jizz is going to be making a baby for us. I got to tell you, and maybe this is the first time I'm admitting this publicly. Yeah. I'm never happy for a friend when they say they're going to have a kid. It's fair. Uh, ne- never once have I truly thought that's great. Uh, you say it. You say it. I'm not happy about it. I, it. It bums me out. It's not happening in 2019. I know that much. But all right. Well, there you go. See, uh, now- this dog is going nuts and pulling on my cord. Hold on. I'm going to go lock him in the bedroom. All right. With the ball, and then he'll keep himself busy in there with this. Well, while you're gone, you hear that bike horn just going incessantly? Uh, yeah, Joe. I do. <laughs> do I hear the bike? That's horn? That's what it's going to be like when you have a kid, because you know how kids are with the bike horn. If the kid's like me, it'll be chill and just sit and watch people and judge them silently, and that's fine. Apparently, my entire childhood, I would just watch people and be like, look at this fucking loser right here. And that's still what I do to this day. Um, Let us get on with the show, if we may. And at the same time, on with the... This bike horn is fucking killing me. (laughs) listen to this is that a child i mean it's either a child or 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 a man with the mind of one oh it's a guy selling hold on let me look at this selling shaved ice or some shit he's selling uh no it's one of those carts you only ever see this in la the the like mexican guys that sell the bags of like fruit it's not fruit. It's those like puff things that look like some sort of weird like Funyun snack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what they are. That's that's what he's doing. He's honking to tell people, come out. I've got the Funyuns. He's also appears to have some popsicles sticking out of a garbage bag <laughs> and a jug of milk. That's what it looks like from here. I can't see. But that horn is... For Christ's sake. Oftentimes, I'll go up to a guy who's honking a bike horn on the street and ask for a glass of milk. (laughs) Um, I think you you drink milk with those Funyuns. I I have no interest. I always see the the fruit guys. They were... I like the fruit. I mean, I like all the guys selling stuff in the street, but that horn's really annoying. There's this site uh, next door where it's just people bitching about their neighborhood. It's a... 
great way to kill kill a little time when Twitter gets to be too oppressive. But it's just people bitching about things happening in in the neighborhood, and you you sign up and you enter your address, and then you get all the updates. So a lot of it's like people are being very noisy, and it's nine p.m. or whatever. But then sometimes it's super racist shit. They're like a guy was walking down my street today in broad daylight wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Right. I know we're not supposed to mention their race, but I think you know oh boy. what race he was. That And you're like, what are you saying here? Like, are you trying to scare the neighborhood that a man was walking down the street? Oh, boy. Um, but then there's also funny stuff. There's people selling stuff. And that's the kind of thing where, like, there was a guy selling fruit near my neighborhood out of a, a thing and for months people were like he's being deported let's band together and save this man and then people are like telling their story look and he wound up fine he didn't get deported which is great but people were like i still remember the first time i bought a bag of fruit from manuel i had been riding my bike and i was in need of some vitamin c and there he was slicing up a honeydew and i'm like are you fucking kidding me? Does people, everything have to be about you? People you in this fucking town. monster. <laughs> people in this town, they can't help it, man. They can't help it. It's there always- was Manuel with a wedge of watermelon to quench my thirst. <laughs> he was up. wearing a hoodie, which I didn't care for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But aside from that, yeah, uh, that's that's annoying. Oh, you never got on with the thing. I interrupted it. That that's how it ended. I I, I was no. so annoyed by the bike horn. Yeah, on with the sh- oh, that that's it. You that was even- that was the end of that one. <laughs> um, now that Joe horn was crazy. Do we have anything for screaming in? Uh, I yeah. saw this week, and I'm going to talk about it in the movie corner, the movie Green Book, which I found very entertaining, and I don't know why people hate it. It's a really entertaining movie. I know why they hate it because there's a big controversy about how. Uh, they didn't ask no one none of the white men who wrote the script including peter farrelly of the farrelly brothers who directed it and co-wrote it none of them consulted the actual black man whose story it is they only talked to the what movie are you talking italian about? guy green book this is scream nn Wait, what the hell just happened? Screaming in his movie news. Oh, right? yeah, it's yeah. It's supposed to be horror movie. I thought you were asking me if I had something, and then you started... You have something. I did, I yeah, did. Go run with it. So Green Book, you know, it's a big controversy that three white men wrote it, and none of them asked the black guy or his family anything. They just only went off the white guy's reminiscence. Right. And the guy is this guy, Nick Val- Valanoga, who was actually on The Sopranos. But it's his life story that became Green Book. He's yes. an actor. Yes. So I saw a tweet today so packed with information <laughs> that I had to read it several times. All right. But you know how when you retweet something, you can add your own comment to it? Yes. So it was like Green Book's Oscar chances looking bleak because Nick Vallelonga, who <laughs> co-wrote the movie, he responded to a Donald Trump tweet, like replied to it. Yeah. And was like, I saw the Muslims cheering 9-11 in Jersey City, just like you said, Donald. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I'm sure his his publicity team was like, God damn it. The Oscars are in a month. You just won the Golden Globe. Yeah. And this bike horn this is fucking- <laughs> going to kill me. I'm sure our listeners can hear it. 
Uh, oh my God! All but, right, go ahead. so it says this, and it's it's like uh, Oscar Chance is looking bleak. He, you know, did an anti-Muslim tweet. Mm-hmm. Then in the space above it, where it says, uh, you know, like some re- some retweet thing they can add to it, it says also. Peter Farrelly admits to flashing his penis numerous times in the past. <laughs> I was like, this movie's going down. <laughs> they have everything. Well, and then they also got in the mortise in hot water when he said the end bomb at the at that yes, thing. Mortensen. Now, yeah. I, I, people got mad. I realized what he was trying to say he was not clearly he was not being racist. He was saying like he was talking about the times. Yeah, but you don't say the word regardless. The. Uh, I, you know, I've got a problem with the, this is just, this isn't N-word related. This is any word related. I, I think it gets a little crazy when we start to say in any context, you can never say any word and you bet because it, it, it just keeps bleeding out to word after word after word after sure. word where it's like, I understand why the word, for instance, cunt is offensive. Sure. But the fact that that now has become the C word as if there is a legacy of bloodshed tied to it, it's right. just not, it's just not the I'm sorry, it's not the same thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so, uh, you know, retarded is another one where it's like, now even if you say like, this person is mentally retarded, meaning just the condition, yeah, you can get in trouble. Yes. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, that's, I understand why people get mad if you use it in a derogatory sense, but again, that's context, right? I mean, why not just don't say it, you know? Well, then, but then, you know, but. Then what? Then, you know. There, there's so many other words. Why don't just, then never say fuck again. Only say the F word. Because it doesn't bother anyone. You know? Oh, that's not true. There's tons of people fuck bothers. Well. It's like when a religious person goes, I say holy cow instead of Jesus Christ. Right. Because Jesus Christ is offensive. It's like, well, it's offensive to... Holy cow should be offensive to you. That's the point of... Uh, that's the point of... That uh, Penn and Teller made. That's yeah. offensive. Technically, that's offensive to people that think the cow is a sacred animal. Right. I'm just saying. Peter Farrelly, you know, apparently there was this Newsweek profile and they talked about how Peter Farrelly as a prank shows everyone his penis and this was like from 1998 and they were like when they first met cameron diaz or cammy if you will about something about mary in the entire interview his dick was out and cameron diaz thought it was hilarious and whatever and all right you know that was in newsweek and no one cared for 20 years i have heard about numerous writers rooms where people do bits where their dick is out in a room with men and women um Beloved people who I won't mention because some of them are dead have a long history of showing their dicks off in uh, writers' rooms, and it wasn't great then. It's not great now. But like, are we really gonna? Why? Why do we need to bring Peter Farrelly down for showing his dick in 1998? He's doing like this apology tour about showing his dick off so that he can win an Oscar, and it's like I've I've heard nothing about the Farrelly brothers being the nicest men in, in all of Hollywood. You know. I'm just... But here we are. This is all I'm saying. I never thought to show... You know, never felt a need to whip my dick out in a meeting. Neither did I. I also never felt the the need to say uh, certain words in public, even considering their context. But this is kind of my point. When we start to let go of 
situation and what was meant and what is the intention and how was this being used and what was actually happening. We start to put all that aside and start to say, nope, across the board, always this thing can never, ever, right. ever, ever take place. I understand that in for some, with some practices and behaviors, that is very good, obviously, murder, et cetera. Right. But then when you start to apply it to everything, it's like, it's just not how life is like freedom is there is a certain amount of risk that comes along with freedom there is a certain when you live in a free society you have to take situations into account individually and you can't make these blanket things that apply to everything all the time yeah in other words if cameron diaz thought it was funny that he pulled his dick out and he knew that she would think it was funny and they had a chuckle then that's between cameron diaz and fairly yeah, that's not but that's not for anybody else to comment on. It's not it's not the same thing as, a, as you know, a guy whipping his dick out and the person being offended. It's just not the same fucking thing. Agreed. But uh, but anyway, in any in any case, people, what I'm trying to say is Donald Trump is trying to make this country great again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, anyway, um, it's a complicated time we live in. And uh, Joe, did you watch the Golden Globes? Pat, I didn't. Now, did you know that the theme this year was change? That change. That it was about change. I kept writing Joe. I was like, the Globes this year are all about change. Because they said it a million times. And I was mad that I got no laugh on my joke that I texted you. You texted me that. And I wrote, the first thing I'd like to change is these hosts. Folks. <laughs> That's why I thought you were watching it. No, no. But I you didn't got get a laugh. Ha, I just, ha, ha, nothing. I never, I never feel the need to write back ha, ha, ha. <laughs> But, uh, yes, yeah, Samberg and O, together at last. They came out. They By did. the way, where the fuck did these two come back from? Insane. I haven't seen these two in anything in years. They did <laughs> 10 jokeless or laughless minutes. Uh, the audience was uncomfortable. Samberg is doing like, they're like, we're going to really roast the audience, Ricky Gervais style. And then they, for, they went to 10 different people and were like, you're beautiful. You're funny, like a positive roast. So you're like, okay, fine, got it. Then Sandberg does an extremely uh, political joke about how the police and the government killed Black Panthers back in the day. And they cut to the director of Black Panther who's looking like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Like, it was so totally all over the place. We're going to be the goofy, fun, cute hosts, but then we're going to do a really rough jokes. You know, like, it was it was a mess. The show was a mess. They Here's how stupid the fucking Golden... You know the Golden Globes are voted on by, like, 60 people. Yeah. Many of them who are not even from our country. Right. They're the Golden Globes. You know, so, like, it's, uh, it's an insane... Not that people, you know, you know what I mean. Not that people not from our country shouldn't be allowed to vote, but it's like, what? Why are we? Why are we watching this like it's something important when it's sixty randos from across the globe picking what they think? So this year, the winner for best comedy or musical was Green Book, which is a <laughs> drama about civil rights. 
The winner for best drama was Bohemian Rhapsody, (laughs) which is unquestionably a musical. Oh, I wouldn't say Bohemian Rhapsody is a musical. I would have put it in drama. It's a musical. I mean, it's not a comedy by any stretch. It's start to finish a musical. How is it a musical? Because it's wall-to-wall music from, from but a musical means they the it action doesn't, it incorpor- doesn't not not in the context of the golden globes not okay. in the world right, where green enough. book is a comedy fair enough all right fair enough they will put things now in whatever category they think it has the best chance of winning you're going down you're like wait a minute but that movie's a drama that everything they had was in the wrong category these award shows are so fucking stupid uh let me take you over to pat's movie corner where I'll talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. Joe loved it. Uh, America loved it. Critics are all talking shit about it. Say it plays like a spoof of biopics, blah, blah, blah. The movie I love Bohemian Rhapsody. is unbelievably entertaining from start to finish. The only th- drawback I had was I was like, what if you were actually friends with... Uh, uh, can I remember Freddie the Mercury? Queen's name? Freddie Jesus Mercury. Christ. Freddie Mercury. Because there were times when he was talking to the band where I was like, oh, I'd fucking hate this guy. Yeah. When he's like, I see things a little differently, mate. You know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, he was annoying at times. Rami Malek was good in the role. I he was tremendous. I think I would have preferred Baron Cohen's take on it because then when I saw Rami Malek accept Best Actor, he was every bit as annoying as like the worst moments of Freddie Mercury in the movie. <laughs> and just as kind of like smelling his own shit kind of but uh the movie was so entertaining i watched it with my mom and her husband yes loved it had a blast the music is great i even like the corny mike myers shit yeah the bohemian rhapsody no teenagers will never bang their heads to this i liked it it was super entertaining and at about the hour 20 mark my uh stepdad stops the movie and he goes Boy, you know, I, I didn't know I'd like this Star is Born so much. I really enjoy this Star is Born. I got, everybody's been saying it's good. And I go, we're not watching a Star is Born. He goes, yeah, sure, this is a Star. He thought the movie. Oh, boy. Because the Star was born in it. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that I was sitting on a couch with a giant bullet hole through it because my stepdad had fired a gun yeah. into the couch. Uh, he goes, uh, boy, I, I, I go, how did that happen? He goes, you know, I was cleaning a rifle and it went off. It it blew a hole in the couch. It blew a hole in the fireplace. And it also blew a hole in a box of shredded wheat. I turned to your mother. I said, Jill, uh, I guess the wheat really was shredded, huh? Oh, man. I said, okay. I see where you get it from. It's my stepdad. I wouldn't get it from I him know, at all. We're not ju- related in any way. It's just a joke. But my mom was home. It's like down the hall in a, in a relatively small house. Could have been shot. So I'm like, why were you cleaning a gun in the house with my mom here? Like, what? And he goes, well, why was it loaded while he was exactly? <laughs> he goes, well, what? I mean, what do you want me to do? Uh, shoot it off the back porch? We got a school behind us. I go, how about you take it into the woods or, or somewhere well, else? Or how about just clean it in the house without it being loaded? Great point, Joe. Yeah, that's that's all you got to do. Uh, and maybe you don't clean it in the living room. Yeah. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is a blast. The dude who played Brian May was awesome. Uh, the Joseph Mazzello, the kid from Jurassic Park, playing the uh, bassist. Uh, I love uh, the film. 
it's super entertaining. It was a very bizarre choice to have the last 25 minutes be a shot for shot. Oh, it was recreation of live minutes, aid. but yeah, <laughs> so, the last twenty minutes of the movie. It's 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 not the, the it's not twenty minutes because their whole performance at Live Aid was twenty minutes, and that's not the whole performance. Oh, I thought it was the whole. performance. But their whole performance is going to be available. They did shoot the entire thing. I just sort of felt like at that point, if you're going to do this, let us see the real performance. I loved that sequence. Uh, both times I watched it, the second time was with my mom. We were crying our eyes out. Mm-hmm. My mom's going, what a loss. You know, uh, yeah. it was so inspirational. By the way, he didn't know he was diagnosed. I know. They flipped a lot of stuff around like that. But and I find that weird, as we've discussed before. On they the flipped a lot of stuff around time-wise. I get that. But I loved the movie. I love Queen. Yes, I do, too. Uh, it made me... It made that Watching the movie made me purchase the album The Works which was always one of the later Queen albums that I sort of disregarded. And it is one of the best Queen albums. I can't believe I didn't ever have that one. Um, but um, now what's on the works? Radio Gaga. Oh, we hear. Um, tear it up. Radio Gaga. It's a hard life. Okay. I want to break free. I want to break free. Um, That's ro- nothing but hits. Robots. Or Back to Humans. I think it's called Robot. I can't remember. But um, it's a fucking killer record. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. I love the movie as well. Um, but I've already stated that. Yes. I, I'll, I'll do a quick one. I re I finished The Kaminsky Method. Okay. Loved every minute of this show. Ends on a beautiful open note uh, for a potential second season. I hope it happens. What starts out as a seeming commentary on the business of Hollywood uh, and and something we've kind of seen a million times quickly uh, transforms into a very, very sweet story about a, a very odd relationship of love between two old best friends. Yes. These friends do remind me of Pat and myself. Oh. Uh, who, are, who are you and who am I? I'm Douglas and you're Arkin. Because Arkin is like married and has a lot of money and did everything right. And Douglas is like, you know. A mess. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So For me, the stuff that was not working at all and what I couldn't wrap my head around was I watched the first two maybe. Mm -hmm. And they spent 25 minutes of the second episode with his acting class. And I was like, this is not what this show should be about. Well, that's the problem with these a lot of these netflix shows or or any of these shows where they release a whole season at once it's very obvious that there are places where they're sort of putty filling the cracks like like we've got to get 10 if you know guys if you just stretch it a little more we can do 10 episodes right and uh and so so there are moments like that that don't work but overall i truly truly love this thing arkin when arkin's daughter finally comes back in the series it's great she's played by uh a character actor i forget her name but she was on she was on an episode of frazier she played a crazy artist she's uh-huh. the risotto woman from seinfeld i feel i feel full when i eat the risotto right. um she's great uh, she's always great, and she's in this, and she plays like this pillhead addict, and she's really funny and and crazy in it. Um, Elliot Gould pops up at one point. Sure, delightful. Does. Yeah, uh, 
I, I just love the show. I love a show about old people sort of discovering new love or whatever late in life that they didn't necessarily know was there. Right. It's why my favorite Love Actually story is the one about the rock star and his manager. Yes. It's just a beautiful thing to me. So I love the show. I hope we get more of it. Uh, you know, it's cliched in, in, in certain ways, but I, I really enjoy it. Fair enough. I uh, Let's talk Green Book. Um, watch that with my dad on the on the other side of the fam, and it's if you're looking for something. I know the holidays are over, but if you're looking for a, a good parent movie, uh, Green Book is a is a great choice. It felt like a '90s movie, you know. Um, people have compared it to Crash because, like, it does. What what people don't understand is. Not everything has to be a super gritty, like rough exploration of something. You know, like I hate sappy shit. Green Book, I thought, handled sappy material in a non-sappy way. If you're willing, if you want to like get a deeper look at it, read the actual story of these two men, which is quite a bit darker than the movie. But if you're just looking at it as a as a feel-good movie it's unbelievably entertaining the story between the two of them is charming and sweet maharasha ali from moonlight i probably pronounced that wrong and vijo mortensen i might have pronounced that wrong you definitely pronounced that second one vigo right. mortensen yeah the vijo was what i was focused on <laughs> vijo um, I didn't even know that was him when I would see the trailers. He put on some weight. Yeah. They're very good in it. His whole bit is that he's eating the entire time. Um, but look, you know, the Fairley brothers, even in their most disgusting comedies, always had a real big heart going on. And they bring that heart to this. It's a sweet, entertaining story about race relations. Yes, race relations at that time were not always sweet. But sometimes a spoonful of sugar helps that medicine go down. And I thought it was a super entertaining picture with great performances by the two leads, a great performance by Linda Cardellini as his wife back home. I love Linda Cardellini. I didn't know she was in it. It's really sweet. It's, you know, it's your classic road trip movie where the two men learn about themselves and learn about each other. And, you know... If, if, if you can't let one of those work its magic on you once in a while, God help you. It was re- it was very entertaining. Best picture? No, but very entertaining. I'll only do one more because I got a scary stuff I want to get to. We have time, Joe. Let's do three. I know. Let's I'm going to just three. do one more because I okay. want to save my other three for next episode. All right. Uh, uh, I watched Homecoming. I saw the first one, which bored me. How does it go? Uh, you know, it's funny. I watched the first one and I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of the podcast. I was disappointed in the casting of the show, not because I don't like the actors that they cast, but I thought the cat podcast was so expertly cast, particularly with, uh, Kathleen Keener, Catherine Keener, Catherine Keener and, um, and David Schwimmer. I thought they were really, really excellent. And then Oscar Isaac played the soldier. Um, and I thought I just thought it was a real good trio of actors that really did a great job in bringing something that I could only listen to uh, and giving it a visual life. 
So I was a little sad when I saw that they weren't playing the parts in this one, but you know, they didn't get any slouches for this. You got Julia Roberts, you got Bobby Cannavale. Um, it, it was a, it was, it was a good show uh, overall. The first episode also kind of bored me. I, I wasn't grabbed, but it was shot well enough, and the soundtrack was intriguing enough that, uh, and it was acted well enough that I was like, "Well, let me give this a chance." And then the next thing you knew, I was binging it, and uh, overall, I enjoyed it. It was an experience worth worth uh, exploring. Uh, and I actually went out and I did some research on the soundtrack to the show because I thought the music was so cool. And I learned, interestingly enough, uh, the songs used in the show, very few of them were original pieces. They were mostly pieces of score pieces taken from old movies from like the 70s. Yes. To kind of give it that sort of haunting like i don't know if noir is the right term but you know that sort of 70s thriller kind of feel uh, and i ended up buying the record store day edition of the andromeda strain soundtrack on vinyl because there they, was, they use scores from other yeah yeah because there was a piece in there that I, that got so in my head i i like went i like looked up the episode then looked up every song they used in that episode yeah. then went to youtube and listened to every song, and then finally found out, oh, the one song I want is from the out-of-print soundtrack from the fucking 70s. Of course. Uh, but I did manage to get my hands on a copy of it, which I'm happy about. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, I think it's worth the watch, and it's got a very touching ending. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. Heather blasted through it um, and loved it. I, I'll get back into it. I'd like to mention uh, one more, if I may. I did two new ones in theaters. I'll do one that's new to video called Searching. This is a movie from last year that I think people really unfairly slept on. Uh, it stars John Cho, who is an acquaintance of mine and a very nice man. I didn't know you knew John Cho. I'm a fan of his. Why I know him a bit. me to him? Well, my, my buddies did the Harold and Kumar pictures. So. Oh, that's right. Um, he's a super nice guy and in this movie, which is certainly the best showcase I have seen for him as an actor, uh, it is basically a movie much like unfriended, which was a horror movie that I really had a lot of love for and sort of kicked myself for. It was a movie that was probably made for 10 grand or something. Uh, searching is all done online. So for a lot of the movie, you're looking at a computer screen. This is the second movie I've seen that did that. Actually, the third, if you want to count Cam. And in all three of these movies, maybe because we spend so much time looking at our screens, it didn't bother me. It didn't feel claustrophobic or annoying as a gimmick. Um, totally loved it. You're looking at a lot of screens, a lot of chats, a lot of videos, uh, Facebook pages, etc. But they keep it very entertaining, visually well done, uh, extremely well written. It's a mm. thriller uh, where a guy is wondering basically where his daughter is. John Cho is wondering where his daughter is. Mm -hmm. And it's great. It's like a a, a super small, low-budget, low-stakes, or not low-stakes, uh, you know you know what I'm trying to say. Low, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, so why would you know what I'm trying to say? But <laughs> it's super entertaining. It's a simple film? It's like t simple film. It's like Taken... But yeah. but without all the pyrotechnics and everything, yeah, it's got some beautiful twists. It's extremely well written. Um, I urge you to check it out. It just hit video. 
or right. DVD or whatever you watch. All right. Pat, I got a little scary stuff for you. Right. Uh, my lovely parents gifted me for Christmas the C64 Mini, which is the Commodore 60, the mini modern version of the Commodore 64 computer from the 1980s. Uh, the purpose of the C64 Mini uh, is is exactly that of the purposes for these other minis that have come out, like the Nintendo and such. Uh, it is a video game plug-and-play console that is uh, HD-ready, HDMI, right into the TV set. Uh, it contains 64, wink, wink, games from the Commodore 64 computer classic Um many of which have horror and fantasy themes, which is why it fits, fits into this segment here. Uh, it's a very cool-looking little piece of equipment. Uh, it's beautifully packaged. It's, uh, it's, it's beautifully crafted. That being said, I haven't had an ounce of fun playing it. These games are <laughs> the hardest fucking things I've ever played in my life. I can't get anywhere okay. in any of them. Uh I posted about this on Instagram. My experience playing it at my mom and dad's was me yelling at the TV as my dad cackled uh, uncontrollably behind me at me because I kept dying instantly in every single game. I couldn't get past level one of anything. Okay. Uh, but one of the other cool things is it's got a couple of USB ports on it. You can hook up a USB keyboard and actually use it m more to the extent of an actual Commodore 64 computer. not You're not going to use this thing as an actual computer, but you can use the keyboard for typing purposes and uh, for game-playing purposes. It's also got... The USB port is also handy for downloading uh, not only your upgrades to the system, but also other games that you can put onto it, which I did do, uh, and found some easier games to play. Uh, still not great at those either. But as an avid video game guy, and if, if you're a collector out there, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, pick one up for yourself. It's 70 bucks, not too shabby a price, looks nice on the shelf, and hey, you might have some fun with it. All right. Uh, our movie of the today. Well, not quite, because I wanted to ask you for screaming in. Did you watch the new trailer for Jordan Peele's Us? Yes. Set the world on fire over Christmas. Yes. I think it looks awesome. It looks good. Can't wait to see Curious it. Curious to see what happens. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's about. It looks scary. It looks fun. I'm excited to see it. It appears to be about some sort of doppelganger mo monsters. Yeah. Um, it looks interesting. It looks... To be, which I like that he's doing this, I, I, it looks to be in a similar, thematically similar to uh, Get Out in the sense of, you know, people not being what they seem they are. Yes. Uh, or other people possessing people right. that they shouldn't be possessing or something something along those lines, you know, the duality of a, of a person or whatever. Right. So I, 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 look, I look forward to it. It, it looks very good. Um, from what I could tell. All right, great. Now, we're talking on today's show about 1979 film Phantasm. 
I had yes. only seen parts of two when I was about 10 years old and found it terrifying. I've never seen anything in the franchise. I have to pee again. I'm sorry. It's I had to fine. pee last episode. I'm sorry. It's fine. Uh, the film has been digitally restored by, of all people, J.J. Abrams, who I guess is a big fan of Phantasm. And the thing, especially for being 1979, the thing looks fucking incredible the transfer they've done on this thing. Phantasm is sort of a science fiction fantasy horror movie. It uh, features one of horror's great villains, the tall man, Angus Scrim, also from Poltergeist. A two, I believe I'm right there. Let me check on that real quick. Poltergeist. Nope, I'm wrong. I am wrong. That was not him. Some other guy. Okay, good to know. But, uh, yeah, basically, it is about the tall man who was an undertaker who turns the dead of Earth into dwarf zombies to be sent to his planet and used as slaves. That's directly from Wikipedia. I got to be honest, that wasn't necessarily clear to me from viewing this movie. Uh, the movie to me works best if taken as sort of a dream. Uh, it's a really, really good, um, sort of replication of a dream state. You always feel like you're not sure what's going on. You always feel sort of confused and on edge. And that's where you want to be really for a horror, a horror movie. I thought it was great. Visually, it's awesome. Uh, there's a very famous shot where, kind of floating over a, a grave and a headstone that is just a really unsettling shot. And it's a great example of uh, low-budget horror done right. I recommend, if, you're, if you've never seen it, watching it with the Joe Bob Briggs commentary because it was great. Uh, I'm eager to watch the entire franchise and have more to say about this series, but the, the first one I thought was super entertaining. Uh, I agree. I heard some of what you said. Yes. But I know it was all glowing. And uh, my take on this film is also all glowing. Uh, I I think Phantasm is an excellent piece of cinema. I think it transcends the genre. I think it's a classic film from the 70s that whether you like horror or not, you should see. uh, Because it is a, a lesson in filmmaking. And I think it's very indicative of that time period of filmmaking. Um just really, really, really well done. Uh, the transfer, as Pat mentioned, is gorgeous, by the way. Uh, so you're going to want to get that high-def Blu-ray, uh, which is pretty available everywhere. Um, and that's how they stream it now anyway. I got mine I got mine digitally, and it was HD. So, you know, it looks great. Um, the Dream State uh, aspect of the films works very well in the first movie, the second movie is a little more straightforward. It's a little more of like an action horror style of thing. Some people like this better. Some people don't. Uh, I love two. I think one is the best of all of them. Uh, I think two is is great, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but the dream sort of, you know, what is real and what isn't aspect of these films I, I, I like that it serves its purpose early on in the franchise. Later, it sort of gets a little too like, well, I guess they can just do anything they want. 
um, because who knows what's real and who knows what isn't. What isn't, um, you know. But I guess that's the point. That being said, I enjoy all of the. Uh, I, I love the entire series. Ravager is disappointing. Uh, Don, it was so raved about. It's okay. It's okay. it's it's the the budget is uh, the 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 lack of budget is very apparent. Don Cas Casarelli, I think is how you say his last name, or is it Casarelli? Yeah. Um, his absence as a director is noticed. He only produced that one. It's the only one he didn't direct. Okay. Um, um, and it's also it's 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 the one that gets the craziest as far as like alternate realities and people kind of not knowing what's actually happening and being sucked from one place and time to another uh, yeah. instantaneously or whatever. Uh, look, it's it's it still has its moments. Um, but it was also compiled from, as I, far as I understand, a series of shorts that were to take place in the Phantasm universe that they eventually cobbled together into a full movie. Um, and I think they were web shorts. And again, you can kind of see that. Like, it does have a video quality to it, like, mm. uh, which the other ones don't. Um, it didn't make a great deal of sense to me, which is why I appreciated... Uh, Joe Bob Briggs, a horror aficionado, at, what every, at every break was like, now, I know this doesn't make any goddamn sense. The first one or Ravager? I'm talking about the first one. Okay. Really, the whole franchise, he was just like, this is all just like a dream. It makes no sense. Don't yeah. worry about it. And I was like, yeah. good. I don't want to worry about it. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. So, it's, yeah. you know, like I said, like early on, that's that's a I appreciate that element a little bit more. Eventually, it gets to a point where it's like, well, you can just do anything you want, and who cares, right, you know? Right. Uh, but um, but that you know that doesn't ruin it. Ravager gets the craziest. The fifth one. That's that one is like that that starts to creep real hard into like sci-fi. And the first one's kind of they're all sort of sci-fi-ish. Yeah. But Ravager really gets into like to me like sort of the idea of the post-apocalypse and science fiction and whatever. Um, but it's it's a worthy ending and it, it does bring some closure to the franchise. And I think Phantasm is one of the few franchises out there where you know you could say, hey, if you see a box set, buy it. There are very few franchises that that you can say that you know my my parents again for Christmas got me the you know but God bless my mom I asked for Wrong Turn one to three yeah because some fans of ours have said you got to see two and three they're great so I asked for them for Christmas I had never seen them my mom bought me all six okay Wrong Turns which is awesome but you know I don't you, think I've ever seen one of the Wrong Turns I've never seen any of them but then you read up on them and you know it's like yeah. You know, by the time you hit four, they're like, why are they bothering anymore? Right. You know, I know it, my mom oddly loved Wrong Turn. I've never seen it. Um, You know, and look, I'm a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan. I cannot vouch for every Nightmare on Elm Street film. Yeah. Uh, but franchise speaking, uh, I, uh, Phantasm is a franchise that I would and I'm spelling franchise, by the way, the PH. Sure. Uh, franchise. No, fran still fran P H R like phantasm ch franchise franchise. I'm spelling why it. You, why don't you do that? Because I want to. All right. Uh, then we can hear the joke as opposed to having to visualize <laughs> what it would look like on paper. 
The joke is is that I was explaining how in my head I was spelling it. Right. That was the joke. Okay. The uh, uh, it's one of the few you you can set you really set your drink on from start to finish. It's it's uh, it, it has very very few weak spots in my opinion. Uh, and then also, who doesn't love Reggie? I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy's awesome. I mean, it's got it's got a real Lynchian uh, quality to the thing, you know, like yeah. the the when they're in sort of the alternate world, it really feels like what you later see in Twin Peaks, kind of that that weird room with the checkerboard floor and stuff. I I would imagine Lynch was not influenced by it, but um, it does a a really good job of capturing that dream state, that sort of creeping dread, which was the name of a course I took in college. Oh, really? About what? Creeping Dread was a uh, class we read on writing the Stephen King book, but you, we all had to write uncanny stories. Like, like, and that sounds awesome. Short, uh, short horror. And I, I wrote a really great one. I wish I could find it because I, I think I could turn it into something. But um, yeah, it was all about that that feeling, the uncanny, the creeping dread that you get when you make a, when you watch a horror movie or read a horror book. Strange class, but a really inter- interesting class. Uh, and J.J. Abrams, to answer your question, yes, is a huge Phantasm fan, which is why the character exists. P-H-A-N. What's that? P-H-A-N, fan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing your own thing. Well, I would say Fran. <laughs> uh, he's a huge fan. He, uh, he, uh, that is why the character Captain Phasma exists in Star Wars. In the new Star Wars movies that he's involved okay, in, okay, and that's why she's silver. Yeah, that's not why. That's not why the character exists. He created the character, and then they named her Captain Phasma. Yeah, because it was based on Phantasm, and she was silver, and it made him. It reminded him of the silver ball. Apparently, Angus Scrim had a sizable role in uh, Alias, which was J.J. Abrams' show with Jennifer Garner, which I watched a couple seasons of and loved. But uh, yeah, he's a big fan. Well, and if for nothing else, that's to me that's the reason to see five more than anything is it's 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 I believe Scrim's last performance, yeah, and it's really cool that they got him in, yeah, before he passed to do this final installation and 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 officially end the franchise. I thought that was very cool, and apparently it uh, barely made an R rating, which is crazy because nothing here is particularly gory or disturbing, but apparently it barely made the cut. Um, I have to go to the bathroom, Joe. I want you to wrap this up however you see fit. All right. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh, and the Cool Kids is on Friday nights on Fox, as well as Hulu. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. Uh, check out my cooking videos, or not cooking, but my sandwich-making videos, Hoagie's Heroes, on my Facebook page, Joe DeRosa Comedian. Uh, on Facebook, they are there. There's two there now. More are coming very soon. Um, I'll be in Vegas in, in in March. Bonkers Comedy Club. I will be in um, uh, Austin, Texas again in April for the Moon Tower Festival. I'll also be in, I think, Minneapolis at Bonkers for one night at a casino. Uh, and I should be in Pennsylvania as well in in April, uh, Valley Forge Casino. Uh, one night, one show, and then doing a couple other things around that in the area. So, I hope to see you there or in hell. <laughs>